Cuba, how's it going? Indie wrestling fans, my name is Jesus Cruz, and I'm the host of Indie Handshake. And today, my guest is Kwame Kamozi of APW BTW NorCal fame. How you doing with Westside Players, original Westside Players? How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, brother. How you doing? Good, man. I met I met Kwame, and you might not remember me, but I met you in the late 90s at BTW. I was doing their video production, and you always stuck out to me because you were so great on the microphone. Like, you just came up with stuff left and right. I remember one time you came out at BTW, the DJ played the wrong song or something. You got on the mic, and you're like, I don't know what broadcasting school you went to, but yada, yada, <laughs> yada, yada. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you for being on. I appreciate it. I'm I'm greatly humbled. Do you realize that this is the actual very first interview in my entire career one-on-one? Do you wow. know that? No, I did not know that. In my entire wrestling, everything from Pacific Coast Sports all the way up to, to I am today years old doing the interview. One oh, well, now I'm humbled. I appreciate it. I'm deeply humbled. I am greatly humbled. Thank you. Oh, likewise, brother. So we're going to start off with the standard question of how you got interested in wrestling in general, but then more importantly, how did you find independent pro wrestling in your area? Well, um, how can I start? Well, I've always been a pro wrestling fan since I was a kid. We watched uh, OWWF. We used to watch AWA, everything on TV, you know, Saturday morning was cartoons, Bugs Bunny, uh, this, that, and the other. And, of course, you had AWA, NWA, and all that other stuff. So I was looking at it at the time, and I was – but the problem was is that being from California, being from Northern California, there were no wrestling schools, no nothing like that. Uh, so when I got out of high school, I went to the Army and everything else – serve my country and everything but i came back to oakland and strangely enough i'm doing over my life i have a young son krishan at the time he was a kid and i was just more concerned about just trying to eke out a living i was literally working at mcdonald's and everything and then this commercial came on for pacific coast sports <laughs> i saw the wrestling ring and i said i'm doing it I have to do this. This just cannot go either way. So what ended up happening, I end up catching the bus. And yes, I remember AC Transit, the A bus takes you all the way to past Asperian. And I made it to Hayward. And I thought it was close because I called and I said, hey, you, you're close by the bus stop, right? He said, yeah, yeah, we're close. Come on through. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and next thing you know, I'm walking for miles, like, like yeah. two miles back and forth. It's like that old thing. Like I walked uphill both ways and, <laughs> and that's the way it was. And I remember walking into the, the gym, which is now, you know, the famous APW gym mm -hmm. and looking at the ring. I was in love. I was hooked. It was no there was no way I was not going to do it. Right. Um, yes. And just touching me. I'm like, wow, I'm touching a wrestling ring. For a lot of people, it's like stepping on a pro court or stepping on, you know, I stepped on the Oakland A's uh, baseball field, did that. I stepped 
on a football field, yada, yada, yada. It was never like the first time you step into a wrestling ring. For me, it was just, I'm stepping into the the the, the land of the gods. What? Uh, how old are yeah. you at this point? Here's the thing, now. I was much older than everybody else. I was like in my late 20s, you know, and I said to myself, well, I don't know how long this is going to last. I gave myself a ceiling of 10 years because I knew that I say eight to 10 years of nothing's happening. If I'm not a millionaire by then or whatever the case may be, I'm never going to be. So enjoy the ride while I have it and, mm-hmm. and try to do the best I can and let the chips fall where they may. Okay. Okay, so tell us a little bit about how your training was. Who were your trainers, some of your co-students that are still in the business, and, and, and what was your perception of, now I'm taking bumps, like now? <laughs> now, of course, I'm a mark mark by the time I get there. Now, my perception of wrestling is we're fighting every day. And I'm, I had these raps. And I would come to the gym every day and I come early and I got the wrap on. I'm taping my wrist up. I'm taping my fist up. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, we're fighting today. I'm going to beat the crap out of you. <laughs> right. To me, like, wrestling to me back then was you got to beat your way to the top. So I'm going to beat you. If I got out crash out or stomp you in the dirt or whatever i'm gonna do it right that's how serious it was to me and um so next thing i'm there's mike modest uh, mike justice and of course rowan and rick thompson and i'm sitting up there it's like the kid in class i don't sit in the back i'm sitting in the front and i'm just like this and i'm all bug-eyed and i'm watching them do a match and i'm just oh, and i'm gaga all over the place mm-hmm. and now we're gonna do it yes Okay, who do I hit first? No, <laughs> no, you're not gonna hit anybody first. You're gonna take these bumps. <laughs> oh, okay. And next thing you know, bump, bump. Oh, this shit, this hurts. <laughs> okay, and do it again, 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 and do it again. And I didn't get a chance to lay a hand on anybody for months. <laughs> you know, and it was take a bump, 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 and. That's how it started. It didn't, I didn't touch anybody in wrestling until for months and months on end, I was just learning how to get hit, mm-hmm. which I don't regret at all. It's just, okay, that's just part for the course. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And were you guys doing the conditioning classes as well? Because I knew for a while APW did that, but I'm not sure if they did that for the first camps, like when you were, when you were there. I did, a, we did a little bit of conditioning. We would do green lines, you know, run here, run there, run back, run here, run, run, run back. I had natural athletic ability. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I did not take that as seriously as I should have. And I really should have, but I didn't. Um, but we would go out there, we run miles and we would go to a gym. And then we had this gentleman, he, um, I forgot his name, but he, did the bodybuilding thing. Is that Greg Thurston? Great, yes. Greg Thurston. Yeah, and we would have to do, so one day we did the, um, 
the bench press to 225 or whatever and go to max. And we had the great Paul Tulife. I don't know if you ever remember him or whatever, but this guy was a monster. Um, Samoan guy, one of the island guys, uh, about six foot five. He's bench pressing 500 pounds like it's nothing. Like, you know, like I'm bench pressing 225. He's taking 500 plus just yak, yak, yak. And I'm just like, you know what? You're going to win. Because <laughs> I'm not going to try. And right. we did the best we could. And that was our conditioning. That was the best we could do. So how long did you train until you debuted? And what name did you debut with? And what was your debut like? Um, I, okay, so Kwame Kamozi, I think I debuted under that name. My first match ever was with Aaron O'Grady, who we affectionately known as who now? Crash Holly. Right? Crash Holly, exactly. And so... He was, you know, the Irish guy and he wore the white pants with the, 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 the clovers and everything. And I would just remember being terrified. And I said, okay, I'm going to take the name Kwame Kamozi. And Kwame Kamozi was two rapper names. Kwame was a rapper and any Kamozi mm-hmm. was another rapper. And so I just combined the two names. Because I wanted something that was different, had a little bit of Afrocentric flair. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, I'm going to do Kwame Kamozi. It's totally different. Nobody knows what the hell it means and whatever. And it's better than Sugar Fly Brown or whatever the case, <laughs> you know, they would have came for me. You know, yeah, sugar, yeah. you know, chocolate drop Moses or something. You know, <laughs> and so, you know that's not going to work. And so that's the way it happened. And then, um, of course I did the job and everything and terrified. I was just like, okay, just focus on bumping, just focus on, you know, when he does it, call it, whatever, just do it. And it turned out pretty well. It was submission. I did the job. I felt better. And I just like, okay, did I do well? And I was like, yeah, you did fine, did fine. But by this time, my heart is racing literally 150 miles a minute. Like, oh, my right. goodness. Just don't mess up. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So so now you're now you're working, and then uh, your character's starting to develop a little bit more. You're probably feeling a little <laughs> bit better. So tell us how the how you got put into a stable, uh, the West Side Players. So I remember a BTW show where you and Jay Smooth came out as original West Side players, something like that. So Absolutely. were you guys, did you guys do that gimmick first before uh, Boyce and uh, Robert? Let me tell you this, and this needs to be, uh, me, the West Side players was strictly me and Jay Smooth's idea. It was not Rollins, it wasn't Modest, it wasn't boys no because nobody knew what it was that's why everybody kept trying to imitate it i was like how can you imitate something you never made mm-hmm. you never made it roland couldn't come up with this because roland was never in the ghetto roland never roland never lived in the ghetto me and jay smooth we came from a place where we lived it mm-hmm. you see what i'm saying and mm-hmm. so <clears throat> when we did the interviews and stuff it was like okay me and jay we're going to do these things. We made cards and everything, little comp cards, and say, God forgives what side doesn't. Roland didn't come up with that idea. Nobody else did. We did. 
because mm-hmm. I made the cart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the cart made they were green and purple and everything else, and we were passing out. And so what happened was me and we were sitting in the weight room. Now, here's a little known fact. Me and Jay Smooth was just talking, promoing amongst ourselves. You know who heard us? Max Marquez. Max Marquez, the referee, he was just listening to us. And it wasn't Rowan that heard us. It was Max who ran up. He said, you need to let these guys talk. I want you to hear them out. They're like, okay. And so we started doing promos. And next thing you know, you can just see their heads explode, right? And I'm just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's how it started. It wasn't because of Roland. It wasn't even models, Max Marquez. Okay. And that's how we ended up doing uh, promos, this and that and the other. And then it got to the point where we said some controversial things, but we weren't told what to say. We were just told cover A, B, and C, do what you want. Right. And that's how that happened. But what happened was, see, Roland, when Roland figured out we can talk, he's like, I want you to hear this video. I'm like, okay. And so we went to go hear the video. Of course, it was the gangsters mm-hmm. with New Jack and everything else. Right. So, okay, we, you know, here's New Jack, and we listen to him, and that's the, the famous OJ promo. I'd like to send a special yeah, shout out to my homeboy, OJ Simpson. Keep up the good work, baby. Two less. We got to worry about. You understand? Mm-hmm. Right. The OJ promo. And of course, it got a lot of heat and everything. And I'm like, that's great. But I cannot be him. Mm-hmm. Why be a duplicate of him? That's not what, what we're doing. Right. And so it was important to, to be separate and everything else. But the promos weren't about being the promos weren't about being this gangster black guy i didn't want that i wanted to me it was important for us where people say well those guys are very intelligent and well spoken but why they act this way Mm -hmm. i i wanted it to be a reflection of society Mm. that was a little bit more deeper meaning it has to have a deeper meaning because Kwame Kamozi, if you notice, he combined what black people know about black history, but black church as well. That's why they was calling me black Jesus and everything. Cause sometimes it sounded like I was preaching because that was important in the black community right. to a strong church background. So of course he, Kwame Kamozi had the, 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 the black background, but he also, was street he was hood but you can tell he was kind of raised right he just didn't care anymore it was black anger too as well right so that was your thought process of when you came up with these promos yes yes Mm -hmm. now like for no go ahead i'm sorry no no go ahead if it yeah we'll continue Uh, this one yeah so for example and you know because i put Kamozi down for a while. So when you said this Nana has to start thinking of things and I started thinking about like, what was Kamozi's aim? Kamozi outside of a wrestler was a reflection on race relations as well. 
of what happens when you give negativity to a race for so long and then expect them to thrive? Mm -hmm. What baggage are they gonna carry with them? Like one particular one um, <clears throat> was with Tony Jones. I think I know where you're going with this. Yes. And if you know where I'm going, now you know I'm going to keep it real. So if yeah. there's going to be any problems, sorry. <laughs> but no, no, no. You remember, you remember this one, and Tony Jones probably remember it very well. But it was about the paper bag. <laughs> yeah. The paper bag from home. The paper bag test. And for those, and, right. And for those people who don't know, <laughs> Let's, let's go down history real quick. Um, in slavery, you had the, the, the person who, the slave who was worked in the field, and then you have the slave that works in the house. But the defining characteristic and qualification was the paper bag, because in the paper bag, their complexion, well, ironically, strangely, Hmm, today? But anyway, um, the person who works in the house, the slave, let's just call it the slave who worked in the house had to be lighter than a paper bag. They were considered the house Negro. Mm -hmm. And the person who was darker than the paper bag was in the field that was considered the field Negro. And so I was never supposed to know that much less put it in a wrestling promo. Right. But that's the kind of history that I had, that Kwame Kamosi had to bring, right? right? So people can say, how dare he say that? But did he lie though? No, he did not. <laughs> right, right. And what was the reaction from the from Roland or, or some of the other boys? Tony was, he, you could see it in his face. He, he was not expecting that like nobody else was. Um, I didn't really hear any real feedback from that, right? But Tony, because Tony as a black person, he knew what that meant, right? And so he was, you could just see it in his face and then he didn't talk to me for a good minute. You <laughs> <laughs> talked to me for a good minute. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well, wow, mm -hmm. there's a lot of realty there. I mean, there's, you know, I, I did not, I wasn't aware of, of what the background of, of, of the paper bag um, test was. I just, I just saw you do it. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, if he passes, he's part of the clique. If you don't, you know, that's what my men mentality was. But so now you just schooled me on, on the background of it. Yeah, it's black, it's real black history. And that was a, it was a form of interracial racism. Right. Those who didn't know knew that, like, okay, this is like real self-hate. And that's why I threw the, you know, put it against his face. And I threw it at him and say, congratulations, house nigga, you passed. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. And everybody just like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> but he, nobody knew what that meant, but right. he knew what that meant. And right. though, and very few people, and that's why I say, Kamosi had to bring a deeper meaning to to wrestling besides just being the character of what other people thought what a black wrestler should be. Right. Mm -hmm. And and now that I'm looking at old tapes, you know, as you can see behind me, now that I'm looking at old APW tapes, I've noticed, like, I, I didn't notice before when I was younger, but now I notice, like, there's there was way more diversity 
both in the roster and in the crowds. So I wonder yep. if that had a lot to do with it, of, of bringing guys like you and doing promos like that and, and drawing more people to that because you didn't see that at big, big time wrestling. You didn't see that at other places. So I'm, I'm wondering if it's all, you know, if that has a lot to do with. Maybe it was, I don't know. I can't really say. Um, what I can say was our interview and our promos brought in a lot of people because we were a different style of, of wrestler. You were going to get – APW should have been and could have been one of the greatest things territorial wrestling organizations had it not been for certain people. I always said Mike Modest is a Hall of Famer. He should be in the Hall of Fame, right? There was just no way, but we know the story. Had he had things not happened a certain way, right? Or he not made personal choices, he would be he would be a Hall of Fame wrestler. I knew that. I saw some of his matches, and I'm just like in awe, mm -hmm. right? Right. And there that's just wow. But what happened since we're grown now and everything else, he did some things that kind of got in his own way, as I have. Mm -hmm. I've done some things that got in my way. And I take full responsibility for it. Let's just get that out the way right now. Right. I I blamed a lot of people for not being as successful as I could have been or should have been, but in the end, it was me. Right. It was me. So let's just get that out of the way right now. Right. The person who stood in the way of Kwame Kamosi was me, Kwame Kamosi. I got in my own way. Mm -hmm. So with that said, let's go forward. <laughs> right, right. Now, uh, just just uh, uh, stepping still into the uh, West Side Players um, uh subject so i know you guys added more people later to the to the um stable i think rosano at one point was a west side player no 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 sir no sir no sir no sir no sir we didn't add anything they uh -huh. were added to us mm. they were added to us okay so we were we were so over that they used us to get other people over like J.R. Benson and, and Steve Rosano and all that and everything. And Steve Rosano was the porn star, you know, because Steve Rosano had the iguana. <laughs> <laughs> and Steve, and, and we, and we had Steve. Steve was a, is a good guy, great guy and everything. Nothing but love for Steve. Um, J.R. Benson and all that other stuff, right? And so remember the shows where they were trying to pass right Steve Rosano and JR was trying to they couldn't form a W <laughs> stuff like that right they were trying to form we just looking at him right now just trying to form a W and JR is twisting his fingers up all like this and I was looking at him like what the hell is this just but that was Roland Roland was like you guys are hot but we need to make these guys uh you know can we put them through your your stable and everything else like that. Right. And then, um, you know, we'll push them off on their own or whatever the case may be. But, yeah, 
that wasn't us. That was them. And that's how we ended up with Tony Jones and everything. And that was a good fit. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you remember the great Tony Jones, the Grimes matches, which was very, very good. Right. 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 So you 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 were in APW in the uh, Gym Wars era, which was insane. A lot of shows were insane. There were great shows. I personally uh, only watched them on tape. I've never uh, seen them live. But tell us about the vibe of Jim War. Tell us some of your favorite Jim War memories. Um, <clears throat> favorite or infamous? <laughs> because that's um, both. We're talking. Okay, so we're talking about our personal uh, famous ones. Was was the one the match where me and Jay Smooth are going up against uh, Robert Brown Bomber and Mike Modest. And I think the most athletic move I ever did because they, we did something. That's the only time I think I ever got a standing ovation at Jim Wars where he put, uh, he put uh, Jay in a clutch. And then here comes, uh, I think it was Modest put him in the sleep, uh, um, crab at the same time. So they're both got him in the clutch and the crab at the same time. I jumped up in the air hit them both with a leg drop in midair and did a flip and landed on my feet. And everybody just, and I swear to God on everything, I'm like, did I do that? <laughs> and it was like, yeah, you did You don't remember what you did. <laughs> I was just trying to break the hole. And um, I think when I got, um, when I was wrestling Vinny Massaro and I missed the top rope because I was an idiot, and I fell and I got a um, concussion. I'm still wrestling and I don't remember anything. I'm just trying to remember spots. And so I was like, okay, I'm not so dizzy. Oh, that's right. I got to go to the, to the cabinet. I go to the cabinet. Here's Mike Miles. <laughs> just bam. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm dizzy again. And I'm just wobbling along. And I, people think I'm acting. I'm like, no, I'm done. And here come the garage, the garage door open, the famous gym door garage. Here come Big Grimes with a cinder block. And he hits me with the cinder block. Bow, I, oh, I'm really out of it. Because every time I get lucid to try to do the next spot, here come another headshot, and there, there's my brains again. Mm-hmm. And so um, he was going to do a leg drop on a chair, and he's looking, and he's going to the top, and not, but he knew I was out. And I'm He's like, he's, he told me, he said, I kept climbing the steps wondering if you were going to get out because I had to drop the leg on the chair, which means you would have got your neck broken. I was wondering if he was even loose enough to remember. And I did just in time and moved out of the way. He hit the chair. Um, that part was great. The, the match with um, Modest, he gave me the dragon flex, but I hit him with a real stun gun and he was terrified he said whatever you do don't push the button if you push the button i already have a bad heart you're really going to kill me and i'm like i got you i got you right and so it's a hot match like everything he gives me uh he gives me the stone cold stunner on the chair and whole nine yards and i come out of it somewhere and i get the thing and, and i grab it and i can see his eyes just bulging out and I just stuck it to him, and he just so like I hit him and everything, and I'm just like, just hurry up and get off. Hurry <laughs> he got off, and I just held the gun like this, and I was, I was just relieved, like, just all right, yay. 
<laughs> I didn't push the button. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because we had to, because it had to have batteries in it because I had to flash it so everybody could see it. Like, and, and, right, you know, right. Just a moment of truth. Um, I stabbed Bomber in the head with an ink pen. <laughs> <laughs> he had this big knife. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. And I took a real big pen and just yeah. like this. And he had this big piece of meat hanging. Oh man. Yeah. But y'all, y'all almost had to do that because the crowd was so close. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um those things happened. Um here, the infamous ones, which I'm sure you probably have a tape of. I'm not sure, but I'll never forget it. The Donovan Morgan incident. Mm-mm. You remember? Oh, you don't remember? Okay, you don't have that. No, I don't know no, if that remember no. tape. Uh-huh. Jim Moore's show was hot. It was me and Jay versus Donovan. I think Modest or something like that were going at it. And let's just say that Donovan Morgan wasn't exactly a diversity-loving guy. <laughs> and so... We're doing a thing, and next thing you know, I don't know where this is totally unscripted, whatever. He goes, excuse my language, but this truth, this facts. He, he grabs him, like he said, Let me tell you niggers one fucking thing. Oh, shit. And Jay turned around. I looked at him. Where's this going? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And and this and that and the other day, he said, hey, and life's a bitch, just like your mother. Like that, and I'm oh, okay. Now there's now here's the kid. Everybody in the back is now at the curtain because right? they think we just gonna beat the crap out of right. Donovan Morgan right then and there. Right. I was like, no. So I grabbed the mic and I said something about his mother on my thing and this blah 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 blah. Then the show's over. Everybody's jumping on Donovan Morgan, and everybody's trying to keep Donovan Morgan away from me and Jay because they think we're just gonna just stump a mud hole in him. But we mm-hmm. made plans, so we were doing a three uh, a three show deal in various cities, and that's where if you ever see a video where Donovan Morgan's literally purple, his whole chest and everything, that was us. We got him in that battle royal. We put him in the corner. <laughs> we gave him the what for every kind of receipt that was in wrestling history. We put in his chest. <laughs> uh, boom, 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 boom to me, loving. Um, me and him got into a fight. And if you ever looked at Jim Wars, you noticed there was metal. They put metal on the walls. Mm. That was because of me and him. We got into a real fight because he's from Oakland, too. So he knows how we do it. So we got in there. We put literally a hole in the wall, like this big four-foot wide hole, bam, right in there. Um, <clears throat> that was one of the things that he, Roland, was just on fire because there was all this drywall <laughs> was just on the floor. Oh, man. <laughs> what do you do? Yeah, I uh, um, we interviewed. Uh, we did a piece on real quick. We did a piece on uh, Michael Modest on our. It's on our channel, and uh, we have a clip of a fan that got in the ring and started punching um, 
Yes. Modest. Were you yes. part in there? I don't remember if you were in there. It was like Vic yes. Rhymes was in there. Boom Boom was yes. there. Yes. Yes, I was there. And I think we were in there somewhere. And he, the guy, jumped in and started fighting. And next thing you know, here we come. I'm trying to kick his face off and everything. And I'm chasing him. We chase him out, chase him on the street. And, and we just beat the crap out of him the best we can. He escaped with his life. And we just went back in there and we were seen as heroes, you know. Here's the one, the best APW moment. Um, when we caused a riot. When Westside players caused a legit riot. Oh, shit. I've Yeah. Um, yeah, you have to see it. We call it legit, right? We could not go home. We had to stay in the back for hours after the show because they were waiting on us. Why? Because, uh, oh, I forgot her name. Dear, I keep forgetting her name. Uh, she was our manager. And so we ran a storyline of where she kept getting all these gifts from, from mysterious stranger or whatever. So she, um, she kept getting flowers and candy and things like that. So one time she got like these flowers and I did a, an abusive man angle on her. Like I like, we really did it. And I grabbed the back of her head and I'm just doing this and that. And, and people really start having flashbacks, but she was white. So here mm. come this black dude terrorizing this white woman you can just the visual and this is not too long after oj simpson so the whole oj vibe <laughs> is still thriving and oh. so i'm like you and i got her hair and she's oh my gosh she's playing the role right i'm playing the role so we're feeding off each other and it looks too real even tony jones he was like i just i wasn't sure i this was just he said even i was just looking like what the hell but I knew what it was like because I knew, sadly, I knew about domestic violence coming from West Oakland. So I see it all the time. So I just, just and she's crying and she's literally shaking. She got the tear worse going on and this and that and the other. And she's looking terrified and people got pissed. They got pissed. And um, we started doing the show, but there were grumblings like, what did uh I forgot his name? Big Cat Ernie Lad said, "What was his famous line? The natives are getting restless. <laughs> they were getting restless." <laughs> and so at the end of the show, we walked in blah, 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 and pre dances, blah blah blah, and they were parked around the corner like they were not leaving and they're fighting oh, and this shit. and that and the other and they're kind of like calm down like no we want them now well, you know you think that we didn't ended up in mississippi and they got some ropes right we oh we got you <laughs> this is hayward california no it's not it's biloxi mississippi and they're ready to do some dirt <laughs> and it was like oh wow that was probably the most infamous moment i i am was thoroughly proud of that moment. <laughs> I wasn't even scared, but I was just proud. Like, yeah, you know what? We we cost this. This yeah. is great. <laughs> you guys got that heat. Great. How was Roland's reaction? Roland was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was like I'm kind of happy and I'm kind of scared because you know we couldn't even because if you go in the APW background they had a window and you know you, the, the fans could kind of see through the window they kind of couldn't we would do it like that but the windows could be shot through so we have to go to the other room where there was no windows and nothing and nobody can peek in and start shooting through there because that's how bad it was it was like we couldn't even go you can't dress in there no you have to go in this room and be sealed off and we was just sealed off and we they we closed the door they closed the door and we couldn't go out we couldn't nobody could come in nobody could come out we just had to sit there mm. in in this room and just wait it out Oh, wow. That's, yeah. oh, shit. Oh, man. One thing about Jim Wars that I liked about Jim Wars, it tests your metal. Because when you walk out there, you're literally inches away from fans. Mm -hmm. And they have to realize that you can just walk over and bust their face wide open. And that's what that was kind of our protection. We were so infamous that you wouldn't touch us. That was our protection, was our reputation. That if you dare touch us, we're going to beat the living crap out of you in front of your family, in front of everybody here, and we're going to continue on with the match, right? And so that kind of, that, that really protected us in a lot of ways. Because, yeah. That's how we got through, and but a lot of the people had a lot of respect, except for that that time when me and Boom Boom was fighting, and they just surrounded me, and I had to check them. I said, "Move!" and you would have thought it was Moses parting the Red Sea, and everybody just got out of the way. I was like, "Now, see, that's reputation." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right on. That's so, just to kind of close the chapter on APW, what was um. Uh, um, why did you leave or, or, or did you get fired or, or what, what, how, what was that exit from APW like? My, okay. The exit, it's, it's been strained for a while. Let me get this out the way. Cause this needs to be said. Um, it was a mutual parting of the ways. Me and Roland was never on the same page with a lot of things. I didn't see APW as somewhere I was going to be forever because of the actions of Roland Alexander. Um, I did not like him. He knows I didn't like him. And then he ended up not liking me. You could see some videos where there was some real disrespect that I shown him because let me say this. I don't care what nobody else says. He had some images on his computer that's highly illegal today. And had he done the things that, had he done them today, APW would have made news for a far different thing than wrestling. Mm. Wow. That's just the way it go. Um, I'm going to put it out there because I, and I'm going to say this to the APW people who are listening. If you are about to be offended, that's too bad. Cause you should have said so first. I walked in there and he had images, inappropriate images of children. Hmm. And they were on the screensaver. 
And I'm looking and I'm talking to him. And I'm looking at these things. And remember the old days when it would just slide and morph into other pictures? So I saw one. I said, oh, maybe that's his family member. Then it was another one. And then another one. And then another one. And they were in different poses and they were in different things. And I'm sitting up here like, am I really seeing this? You know what? And this is in the office? I need to hurry up. Yes, sir. Oh, it was sure. in the office. In the office. Literally in the office because he had, he you know, had the desk in front of you and then he, had a, he would swing his chair around and the computer was kind of like in the corner. And I'm just sitting up there like, I cannot believe I'm literally looking at these inappropriate pictures. But back then, it was nowhere near like today. It was kind of, they to say, it was kind of like that wink, wink thing and stuff like that. Back then, that's just, it was sad, but it wasn't the cancel culture thing like it is today. Right. It would just be all news today. It would just be ridiculous, but it wasn't so back then. So I'm just looking at it. And I'm like, I cannot believe this so-and-so and so-and-so. Oh, my goodness. All right. But you're not here. My my thing was I'm not here to try to be uh, the police or whatever. It's sad. That's on my part. I take responsibility for not stepping up. But that's just what it was. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm trying to get this training so I can move me and my family out. I got to de- If I got to deal with you to get past you, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was trying to get out the ghetto. That's the only thing I cared about was just getting the hell out. Right. So if you're if you're going to be that kind of person, but I can, you know, we can work together in a limited capacity, and that was it. So one day, um, after everything was done, I was trying to make payments and this and that and the other. You know, he was always big on his payments and then he tried to find a way to squeeze a dime out of you, whatever. So we, we were talking and he just started, you know, took a roll and started cussing you out, trying to demean you and everything. And then I stood up to him and we was about to get into a fight and I was like, you know what, let me leave. Next thing you know, all the, the class was there. They really didn't know what was going on. So they started gathering around. He went and grabbed a lap bar like he was going to hit me with this lab bar and I'm looking at him like, you know, I will just do you if you swing this bar right. And it's like, so he was, was kissing. That was, that was it. And that's when I went to BTW. Mm. Okay. And what, mm-hmm. what did you feel after, and well, before we get to BTW, when they continued the West Side Players gimmick with Boyce and Robert, like what was your, and actually before that, did Jay, did Jay leave at the same time as you? Jay left a little bit before me because he was just fed up and, and I was fed up and he almost got into a fight with Gabe and when him and Gabe and I had to pull him away from killing, he was going to kill Gabe and I had to grab him. He, he gave me major heat, but why you didn't let me do this now? It's like, that's, he's not worth it. Right. Um, so he left a little bit before me and I left pretty soon after. Um, the Boyce LeGrand thing was a huge insult. And he know it was going to be, I was going to slap on sight. Boyce knew it too, because Boyce, Boyce was doing things at Rollins Beck and Call. He wore a KKK uniform to a bar. Oh, fuck. No, for real. For real, for real. 
And that was one thing that was the last straw. So like, when I see you, I'm doing you. <laughs> you really gonna do that and now next thing you know it was almost like we got so buried that people actually think that the west side players started with voice legrand and this now like are you kidding right you 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 kidding and bomber and voice legrand and then here come icebox and i'm like no disrespect to icebox or bomber but voice major hebrew voice major no not even now though but oh yeah yeah because he was one of the he, he no it was me it was jay smooth it was rick turner mm-hmm. it was us three but we brought something that couldn't be imitated and now you're just throwing black now you're just throwing black people at it mm-hmm. and boys is up there you meet some boss and all this other stuff like no no, no, that's just wrong because Roland never created it. That's why he did such a, no disrespect to the fellows, but that's why he did such a shit pissed job of imitating it. West Side this, West Side 2000, West Side 2.0, whatever the case may be, all the different variations. Is what, is, what did Jim Cornette say about The Undertaker? There can never be but one imitator because Mark Calloway made The Undertaker. We right. made right. players. You cannot end. You just can't cookie cut something like that. You don't have the background. Right. Okay. And that's well, what we tried to do. Mm-hmm. So now after that, after all that happened in APW, so how did you link up with Kirk White and Big Time Wrestling and how, how were you received? You know, because back then there was a rivalry. There was a, you know, us versus them kind of, kind of feeling. So did you get any heat coming in with the other boys or? No, no, I didn't get any kind of heat or anything like that. You know, I was just more interested. Look, I'm trying because I hated rolling so much and they knew it. So they knew there wasn't going to be any back and forth. There wasn't going to be no flip flop. Look, I'm here. F him. Let's do this. Right. Um, And that's all I cared about. I just I just wanted to wrestle. I just cared about the sport of wrestling. I didn't care about the politics. I just wanted to get into the ring. That was more important to me than anything else. Um, So when I got there, it was very little heat. I didn't get any kind of real matches per se. I was happy to be in the ring at the time because I think I was coming to, I was coming to the realization about the politics of wrestling. Mm -hmm. And I realized, especially after that, because of the whole Mike Modest Thing with the secrets of pro wrestling and everything it's like my name is now associated with this toxicity right mm-hmm. <sighs> once you hear oh yeah apw ain't you with that guy over there this and that didn't they do oh yeah the dark side of wrestling or whatever the case may be blah 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 yeah yeah so uh <laughs> you know that, i was like oh screw it so I think that's when I realized, you know what, I need to try to push and distance myself as much as possible for at least a little slim hope of a chance. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So you didn't, you, I mean, you were there for a little while, but did you have any like favorite matches from, from that time at BTW? I, that, we had great matches. We had, as far as I'm concerned, any match that you could walk away from, it was a good match. I never had matches with them where 
we were coming away bruised up or anything like that. I think um, the best BTW matches was, I don't know if you were around, but do you remember the Eureka, Yreka? Uh, I didn't, I didn't go to those, those shows with them, no. Okay. So I think this was the turning point in my wrestling career. Um, we're we're going to do Yreka, Eureka. That was over 27 years ago. So we all had to go get up early because we got to get on the van. Of course. So he said, there's Tony Atlas in the car. Who? Tony Atlas. The Tony Atlas. <gasps> Tony Atlas in the car. Oh, God. So I go, and Tony Atlas, he's like leaned up against the glass, whatever. Hey, y'all doing this and that and the other. We go. We get up there. Um, and that's when he was talking to us and he realized, he made me realize that out of all the things I was doing that in the end, it was my fault for not being where I was. And that's when I stopped like blaming everybody. I stopped blaming Roland. I stopped everything because in the end I had control, but I made some mistakes. Mm. Um, and me and him, we were all wrestling. He said, when you guys come into the ring, you make sure that you lay it in there, you lay it in there. Good. I want to do this and that and the other. Blah, 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 blah. And here we come. Here we do the running. I hit him so hard in the back. He, he did like this. <laughs> God damn it, not that hard. And everybody went from 100 miles an hour to missing him by like six inches. <laughs> we just, like, we was putting a stump on him because you could just see, holy shit, not that hard. <laughs> and next thing you know, we're babying him, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like we, we, like this, right? Right, right. And we we're wrestling in this, literally where they had rodeos. So it was snowing that day. It had snowed. This thing was open like it was only 75% covered. It wasn't a closed building. They literally put the ring in the dirt in the middle of the rodeo dirt patch, mm -hmm. right? So they had heaters, blowing heaters hooked up to a school bus. We're changing in a literally yellow bus <laughs> school bus. I am I shit you not. We had a uh, we had wild storm on here, and he talked about that same dressing room. Yeah, yes, <laughs> and we're, we're in there, and we're trying to we're we're hello up against the heat blower, going to the bus, change your clothes, run out and do a match. Now it's like twenty something degrees because there's no it's not enclosed, and so there's a big missing one. All this blowing air coming in. We end up sick as dog, all of us, because it's a, it's a, it's a mixture of 20 degrees sweat and, 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 and animal shit, right? Mm -hmm. And we're breathing in all this dust from the rodeo, dirt and shit and this and that and the other. I remember throwing up literally animal shit. Damn. Like just you know, I'm, I don't feel good. Blah, here come all this bile and blood and dirt <laughs> from the wrestling. Man. I I kid you not for real. And it's like blah 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 blah, and there's just brown doo doo coming out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that sounds horrible. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh wow. I kid you not. 
<laughs> then we did the t- we did the TV stuff, um, which was good. We did the little studio yeah. thing and everything. That was that was great. I was really definitely there for that. Yeah, that was that was great. Uh, um, good times, good times. Just working, just working. And then, as you know, the infamous ring apron shot. Yeah. So Tony Fury talked about this on his uh, podcast. I was going to ask you that next. Which, which it seems like that was your parting from Big Time Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> you, you put it mildly, yes. It was great. So let me say this. Um, we He was talking about we got a brand new ring apron, this and that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. By this time, I think I was just, I was just a hobby wrestler by then. I just knew I wasn't going to go anywhere. I just wanted to have some fun with this. That's why I kept doing the overacting, this and that. And the other. I'm like, this is ain't going anywhere. I just want to have fun and enjoy my life with this. Um, so we, we, me and Tony Fury, who's an incredible person, I never would have, we'll go on that one later, but Tony Fury, you know what I'm talking about, the ride. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, we're, we're doing a match and next thing you know I put the chair in the middle of the ring what I didn't know was I just thought they were regular chairs and they had the little caps at the end of it well this one did so all three of them did except for that one piece was just open the metal was exposed and so he hit me with it and it just hit perfectly and it hit the ring apron and it ripped it i don't remember it being that big of a rip but it was enough to make kurt white apoplectic Mm. and he just started talking to me and it got so bad where i just i just took my stuff and i left and i'm sitting in the car like that's the only time I really knew that I was going to hurt Kirk White. I was going to hurt him, hurt him. And I had to sit in the car for 20 minutes to calm myself down because I was packing and I was just going to walk in and do it. You know what? Don't ever talk to me like that, this and that and the other. And I said, you know, time to let this go. And that's why I just, everybody, you know, I just disappeared and the show went on and y'all never saw me. Because he came that close, I came that close to catching case. He came that close to not seeing tomorrow. I was yeah. like, no, it yeah. it has to stop. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. at this point, like you said, you're kind of slowing down a little bit. But I do remember you seeing you at a photo shoot that we did with Pro Wrestling Iron. I think it's the time we started using a yes. gimmick called Andre the Man. Um, so what happened with that? Because I don't remember you actually working the Iron Show. So what happened with that relationship or, or, or what happened there? Me and Donovan. Donovan's influence. Donovan was a freaking racist. And he knew I knew I was a racist. That's why he, plus he never forgave me because I stretched his ass. And I don't know if he'll admit it, but yeah, I stretched him. And he knows I stretched him. But if you don't believe me, you can ask Bomber because I put him in this hold that damn near made Bomber threw up because Bomber wanted to see what kind of hold it was. I put him in it and it chokes you. And I put Donovan in it 
because we was having some kind of amateur shoot match, me and Donovan, Rowan was right there. And he, I was never forgiven for squishing it, but whatever. Right. So when Iron came out, of course, it was modest, and Donovan, and I think when he got the news that, yeah, we're going to bring Andre the man, Kwame Kamali, blah, blah, blah. Nope. No. Yeah, because I I wouldn't want me to come in the guy who beat you in in front of the crowd and outside of the crowd too that you couldn't beat him. You know, I never forget he tried to give me his best shots in the ring and I was laughing at him and he got mad about that. I mean, he was hitting me, hitting me, and I'm like, really? This right. this, this this is it. <laughs> yeah. This is what you got. <laughs> and so I think, yeah, that's just for like. He was not happy, so that's it. So no I just, pro wrestling on here, right? Not at all. Okay, I, I just thought of a, another BTW match you had. It was you and Jay against Vic and Steve Rosano. So it's pretty much like an APW kind of reunion. We're right here with Vic Grimes and Steve Rosano. Now, what is your plans? What are your feelings about your matchup? With the West Side yeah, You man. just shut your hole, boy, because okay. I'm okay. doing the talking now. All right, all right. Today. West Side. West Side boys. Man, that's what I call you, West Side boys, because you ain't players. You have no, I mean, no idea what's in store for you. Because the vicious one, Vic Grimes, the innovator of hardcore, the CEO of hardcore, every time. Vice President. Every manager. time. I enter the ring. It's just another day at the office, boy. And I plan on putting a hell of a lot of overtime on your ass, Kwame Kamozi, Jay Smooth, with my partner, Steve Rosano, the gigolo, XPW, hardcore, man of the hour right here. Nothing, nothing's gonna happen to us. <laughs> That's right, Vic. You know something, West Side players you call yourselves, you haven't seen playing you haven't seen west side you haven't seen hardcore oh no this man and myself hardcore originated <laughs> hardcore in i the made Bay new Area. jack afraid of heights <laughs> he's faced a real gangster yeah, i've right. been up and down that road that's i've been right. to canada two-time canadian heavyweight <laughs> champion i've been to oregon i've been to washington now i'm an xpw and together with that experience of hardcore We'll show you what hardcore players oh, really yeah. are. And there's only one thing left to it's say. That and that's I gotta ask myself why? Why, Vic Grimes? Why? Because <laughs> we can. Oh, yeah. I'd listen to him. What's up, Jack? You know, I, I heard uh, people in the back talking about they've been here, they've been there, mm -hmm. but they haven't walked the same street me and you walked. That's right, man. You know what I'm saying? They haven't been on the blocks we've been. They haven't been in the areas we've been. You talk about hardcore, we are hardcore. Straight we, up. Someone up and down the coast, they don't know. They don't know, explain to them, man. Let me kick down the knowledge to you very basically. It's very simple. I'm not gonna yell, holler, and cuss because my brain is up in your head right now. The sad part about it is, you can talk about, oh, I've been to Washington, oh, I've been here, I've been there, so have Federal Express. And you can sit around here and talk about how you traveled, how you made this contract, that contract. 
I made the contract from the street. I survived from street corner to street corner, living off of government cheese and doing things that no earthly person on this planet would even think about doing. I did it without even thinking. Hardcore ain't nothing but survival to me, and I did it so many goddamn times, I don't know what to say. The power of street knowledge is inevitable. That's why we're still here. Steve Rizzano, the weak link, when we were coming up, when the West Side Players was growing up from the grassroots, Steve Rosano with the hat tilted to the side, trying to have that thick ghetto blaster. Oh, can I be the, with you guys? Wanna be like us? Wanna be like can us? Can I be with you? And then you see Vic Grimes. I'm Vic Grimes. <laughs> and then what? Vic Grimes just went over to the big time, and then he went over to the extreme, and still. From the ladder going up to the ladder coming down, he still has to contend with us. So what happens now? It's very simple. We're on the way up, he's on the way down. There's nothing wrong with me putting my boot on his rung and stepping up to the ladder. We are the West Side Players. We will continue to be the originals. We are the best. We're the most vicious tag team you ever saw. Don't bet against us. So I wasn't aware that you also worked uh, XPW, or, or maybe one show or two. Can you talk to us about your time at XPW? <laughs> I forgot how this happened, but me and Jay, we, um, we got contracted to do a show in XPW. I said, okay. Um, so we're doing a show in XPW in Los Angeles. So they, they hooked us up with these guys, these, they're supposed to be Italian guys, I don't know. And so, worst wrestling match ever. <laughs> My God. These guys were, they were greener than us, but they were supposed to be older than us. And we were doing our thing, and we were supposed to do this finisher, but they wore like these incredibly cheap nylon polyester sweatsuits, like if you look at the Sopranos, remember they always wear the little sweatsuits and stuff like that. Well, those are not made for wrestling. So I'm supposed to give him a hip toss or whatever. All you hear is, and he fell right out of my hand. I'm like, you know what? And we try to finish and we go home. The next day we had to do the show. Um. Once again, I'm going to have to bring up a sad name, but it's true, but New Jack. We had to do there. We did a little running with New Jack and everything. New Jack walks into the dressing room. What I swear looks like 500 somas in a plastic bag like this. He's walking up to us, and he goes and he says, hey, you want some? You want some? And I'm thinking like it's candy or something, right? No, oh, these are big ass horse pills. And they're like this big and I'm, and he's just. And so we're looking like, who's he working with? Not working with me, who's he working with? <laughs> I don't know. Oh boy. Now we're all terrified and then they come in and find out we're not working with them. Good, so we go out there, we do a little bit of another another match by this time we're pretty much x'd out for today because it was that bad we think we did like two shows and we were just done but 
my greatest part of that was I'm sitting in the back, we're watching, because um, New Jacks, he's about to do something, I think, with Jeff Jarrett or somebody else. And so guess who sits by? Sabu. Now, back then, you heard all these stories about Sabu's nuts, Sabu's crazy, this and that and the other. Sabu is sitting behind me. I do like this. And I turn back forward like this, like, oh, no, he's sitting behind me. Is this dude going to go off on me? And he taps me. Shit. And I turn around. He says, want a taco? <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, huh? Go ahead. And I'm like, he said, no, not the whole plate. You can take one. Oh, well, thank you, sir. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was a highlight of XBW. And he did. He sat next to me. I thought just, you know, because by that time, he had this incredible reputation of just not being all there. And I'm just like, I don't want any smoke i don't want any problems and he touched me and i'm like oh god damn <laughs> yes <Want to go>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you don't want my head for it or nothing like that no, 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 no. blood free <laughs> yeah somas and tacos xpw backstage that sounds about right yeah. And that, that was the XPW experience. Um, yeah, it was it was terrifyingly horrible. You're talking about the worst wrestling matches in my ever was XPW because it just it just seemed there was like two days of straight abortions, just abortion one, abortion two. Just, just get us the hell up out of here. Yeah, that bad. What year was this? This was... Um, this was after APW, right? Yeah, oh, after APW, BTW, all that, yeah. Oh, so you guys you guys didn't get in there with, with Vic and them. Vic was already there, right? Yeah, I think Vic was there. I think yeah. Vic was there. I think this was. I think this was before. Yeah. Well, it had to be. This was before the ECW. Um, this was before the ECW thing between him and uh, New Jack yeah. okay. before the scaffold. That was before the scaffold. All right. So now we're about the halfway point. Um, let's talk about some favorite road stories or ribs. And then you were talking about uh, the ride. <laughs> I want to hear about the ride. <laughs> The infamous ride, Owen Hart, Gray Horowitz, Louis Picola. Tony and I were taking him up, him and his wife Marie, we're heading down, we're doing Fresno stock, et cetera, et cetera. I never get, now, as a person who took protein powder, there's things you just don't do. You don't blow in the protein powder in the open Okay, Louis, Louis, like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm go ahead and I'm gonna drink this protein powder. I'm like, okay. Now I'm sitting next to him. And he says, okay, look, you gotta put the funnel in like this now. And I know a little bit of math and science. And I'm pretty sure if you're, you got this much circumference trying to go down in this little hole right here, it's not gonna work. It would be blowback because you got fine powder. So I'm doing like this because I know what's coming. 
and I'm leaning over to my right. He said, now blow real hard. Poof. <laughs> it looked like chocolate. It's chocolate covered bluey all over the place. And you see this thing of smoke. It looks like one of them Bugs Bunny cartoons or something. Just poof. And I was like, oh, no. And so we get to the show. And Owen runs up to me. I got on my gear. I'm ready to go. I'm paid and I'm ready to go. He walks up to me. He said, damn it. What? You're supposed to be wrestling Ludwig Borg. Huh? Have you talked to him? No, I haven't. Get your ass down there and find him. He's looking for you. He's got me. I'm running down four, three or four stories of Stockton. I'm in the basement looking through the janitor closet, anywhere trying to find Ludwig Borga. And I'm going through this place and this and that and the other. And I'm like, by this time, my eyes are big. They deer, I'm like deer in headlights. I'm running past people. Shawn Michaels, this guy, that person, I'm looking for Ludwig Gorgon. Look at here come Big Hatter and like, hey, yeah, I gotta go by. And this and that and the other, I'm not speaking to nobody. Look for Ludwig Gorgon. Now, now I'm literally like gassed. <laughs> and here come Pat Robinson. He goes, "What's up?" I said, "I can't find Ludwig Gorgon. I need to find Ludwig Gorgon. We're on next." And he looked at me. He said, "Who told you that?" <laughs> I said, "Owen." <laughs> and he gave me this look. Right? <laughs> he gave me this look. And he did it. He said, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I ran up to him. And I walked up to him. And oh, I just like. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. I was like, Wow. Can I believe you got me? You, you got me. You got yeah, oh, that's that's horrible. an honor though. That that's was... an honor, man. You got ribbed by by the best, man. Yeah, I got ribbed. <laughs> he got me good. I was just, and when I say he got me good, because he knew I was already nervous, yeah. and I was just like, I'm going through every spot in my head. Like, okay, you know, what if he calls this? What if he calls? It? I'm like pre match. Like, I'm going to bump here. I'm going to do what he wants, this and that and the other, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this. What? He looking for you. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. And now I'm feeling like, a, like you know, I feel like an unprepared asshole, right? Because I'm like, I cannot find a Luke Morgan. Yeah, yeah. It was getting with in the car with Owen and those guys. Um, different perspectives on my career right. as far as that's concerned. Um, I will never, ever be able to thank Tony Fury enough for giving me that opportunity. I, it, and even though I didn't wrestle on that show, but I got, you know, in the system and everything and I did some other stuff, but it was just a one in a million thing. And the best part about it was, was the fact that me and Tony was backstage when rolling came with modest and all the other people and they literally closed the door on them and we're on the other side next <laughs> like this like <laughs> and you could because we me and tony fury was not supposed to be there at all not even close where we were oh oh we weren't the boys and you weren't you're not on that level and next thing you know we're behind the curtain per se and they're trying to get in and we're just li we literally just like hey. <laughs> yes, and they just pushed them out 
And at that point, you were already out of APW, right? Way out of APW. And we were like literally mad at each other. It was like serious heat between us. So we, because I was never on Modest's level, I'm never going to be anything, blah, 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 blah. And so just to make it happen like that was just the highlight of my career, not wrestling, but it put a stamp on it. Like, guess what? You don't control it. And that was the thing with APW. They controlled a lot of us just too much, just Mm. too much. Tell us about, um, the craziest fan interaction that you've had. And it sounds like it might be from a gym war show. I mean, you already Absolutely. talked about that riot, but has there been another instance where like a fan got a little too yeah. overzealous? A little too overzealous? <laughs> the, the, the word too comes in a lot of forms. He was too mad, but he was too big, but yet he was too fast. This dude, when we did the whole ginger thing or whatever, you know, we're running, the, I think it was ginger, but we're running the ginger ankle. So she got some flowers. And so I'm cutting the promo, I'm holding these flowers, and I'm looking for somebody to throw these flowers at. There was this dude, he looked like he was about 600 pounds, bloated. I don't know what the hell. But I said, you know, I'm looking for a target. Just somebody who I know that I can mess with, that they wasn't going to be mobile enough and we weren't going to get. So I just took the flowers and I said, you, like this fat fuck over here and threw it over there and hit him. What I didn't realize, though, is that he can move. He got up to the ring so fast for his size. <laughs> Holy shit. And a little bit, and these security guards are looking like little Cambodian dragonflies trying to hold him back. Right? <laughs> so they try to hold him, and and I'm and I'm playing it off, and I'm like, damn, I'm really gonna have to hit this dude. <laughs> this dude is moving, and right. so we're doing a match, and he keep looking at me like he want to dart. And we had a small security person. I think the small security person is so I'm trying to make it a joke, and I kept pushing security person. <laughs> in front of him like i'm secure you can't hit me and i push the guy in front of him and everybody's trying to laugh and i'm not really laughing because i'm gonna really push this guy (laughs) gets up Uh, because it turned out i think they said he was really a black belt in karate in some way or another but dude could fight dude could really fight yeah i just didn't think he somebody that big could really fight but he wanted to fight I've been cussed out. Oh my, you know, you're talking about the banter back and forth, especially up top and stuff like that. And I, I called one woman China and all this other mess. She got mad. I, you know, I would talk about people left and right, call them all kind of B's and H's and all that other rest of it. Yeah. So it seems like the, the fan base then, like in the in the mid, late 90s, early 2000s, they were brutal as far as what they were yelling, like a lot of stuff was like very racist, very homophobic. Like you don't hear that a lot anymore. So it's just, to me, it's just insane. Like, damn, I'm watching all these old tapes and it's like everybody. Yeah. You, you, this and that, you, faggot, you, you know, nigga this, faggot that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you, and if you didn't match it, they would just run all over you. You right. had to match it. You had to match it. 
you have to not on and you'll have to be quick on your feet because they would oh because if you got caught slipping oh my god they you know they would tear you apart and you would just lose your you would lose your whole angle because they have people literally coming to see if they can out talk you they've come you know if, you, if your promos wasn't blah 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 they talk about you this and that and the other this and that and they would not talk about you behind you talk about you to your face oh blah 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 blah, blah you black bastard and that was if you were having a good match right, <laughs> so, right, right. um <laughs> That's just, that was just the way it go. Um, yeah. Yes, today, oh, today's wrestling couldn't match yesterday's wrestling. Mm-hmm. If today's kids, I call them kids because, you know, they, they couldn't tell a story with a pen and a paper and three-fourths of the book written. They couldn't tell a story. If you told these, these new wrestlers, I need you to hold and work an arm and nothing off the top rope, they're going to sit there like a bunch of kids. I don't know what to do. We'll get your sixth grade ass up out of here because let me show you how it's done. You don't know a key lock, reverse key lock, arm drag takedown, do it again. What's that? What I just said. What did you just say? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just said. Yeah. And, and, you know, and there'll never be a, a Chromie Kamosi in today's wrestling. Never. Never, never. I would have, if I existed, I would have been canceled hard. I probably never would have even got as far as I have. There's because you couldn't be sensitive. You had to be better. Right. You. It was not better at being sensitive, but just better at being ruthless. You have to you have to do your homework. You have to watch the Don Rickles. You have to watch insult comments. You have to you have to know how to make people mad. Right. Because if you didn't, you you I just didn't have a career for cooking. That's why I tell people all the time. I said, I know what it's like to make money off of making people mad. I did it so many times. Mm-hmm. You have to do your homework because because those fans, they're coming with everything. They're not, there was no cancel culture. There was no, oh, this will get me in trouble. Oh, I'm going to get fired from my job. No, it wasn't nothing like that. No, they had cameras too. You know, they, nobody lost their job because they cussed out and racially profiled a wrestler. Never. No. No, no they sometimes they might get congratulated. You really told him that damn Kamosi, <laughs> you know. I'm glad you told him that because I want to say the same thing. And, yeah, but you didn't though. <laughs> yeah. And so, but you look at today where if a Kwame Kamosi come to today, and talk to if I cut promos on today's wrestlers and that in the Kamosi style, there'll be a lot of major back heat because they're not used to that. Mm-hmm. I really feel they're not used to that. Right. Um, you know. Any embarrassing moments that you've had either during a match or at a show in the ring? Yes. Yes. There's always a, being a pro wrestler, there will always be embarrassing moments. Um, I'm cutting a promo with Tony Fury. And I don't know why, but I bent my ass over to him 
And I'm like, you want some of this, this and that. And I got my ass bent over and I'm walking <laughs> backwards with my ass in for me. And I, even when I got through it, I'm walking back towards the like, what the fuck did I do this shit? Was this at BTW? Oh, it was BTW show in Eureka. <laughs> and I'm like, you want to, you know, I'm just cutting a promo and I'm just looking for something different. And I'm just literally just bend my ass over to him. And I say, it's like this. You like this, don't you? And I'm walking towards him and shaking my ass towards him. <laughs> and he's like looking at me like, what the fuck? And, and I'm looking at him like, I can't believe I did this. Um, I bet they recorded this. He's looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> He's looking at me and I'm looking at him. I say, I bet they were He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I got to find that. Uh, now I got to find it. <laughs> oh, it was, oh, my God. I was like, I, somebody got this on camera somewhere. I, oh, what was I thinking at the time? Jeez. <laughs> desperate times, desperate times. <laughs> <laughs> so winding, <clears throat> winding down here, um, I saw on your Facebook profile that you had some stills of like a some acting. Like, did you do acting? Is that something that you're pursuing or? No, I I've done acting. I've been on Grimm for a few years as a background. Uh, I've actually had my SAG card, so I'm a SAG actor. Eighteen. Um, I've done all kind of things. I've done things for Tostitos. I've done um, live commercial for Tostitos. University of Washington, Librarians, Grimm, Portlandia, which was great because I actually got directed by Steve Shimmy, which was hilarious. I was just like, I was like, you know, I walked up on the set and I was like, you know, it really looks like Steve Buscemi. And everybody was like, it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I'm trying not to geek now. I'm geeking out again. <laughs> right, right. And um, yeah, I... I've done that. Um, the best part about it is I knew I could talk, obviously. And but not having those those memoirs of APW, BTW, XPW, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it allowed me to make another niche for myself. I just didn't want to be known as just another wrestler who was in the dark. Cause like I said, you're the only person interviewed me or much less even remembered me. So it gave me opportunity to say, okay, I want to go forward and, um, and do something else. Since I have all this anonymity, might as well use it. Right. And that's what we did. Right on. Well, that's good. That's really yeah, cool. So man. I have this um, nice list of, yeah. you know, Credits. Are you still? Are you? Are you uh, doing it uh, currently? <clears throat> Not really. No. No. It, it. It was like because I'm in Kansas, they don't do a lot of filming in Kansas. Right. right obviously, right. if I have to, I had to go to Texas and everything else. But I'm living a comfortable life. I'm incredibly boring now. <laughs> you know, I. Um, I go to the gym. I go fishing, I go to the movies, and I come home, you know, build a, you know, have a house and everything, and everything's great. I live a normal family life and ride a motorcycle and all that sort of stuff, and I, I'm at peace with myself mm -hmm. and out of everything. 
So if I do things it's strictly because I want to, not because I feel like I'm compelled to, like I have to prove something, I'm only proving it to myself. So I'm good. And I really wanted to end on that note because that, that's a very good note to end on. But I do have a question. Like, what were some of the things that you found disappointing about the business? Like, I know you talked about that you made, that Kwame got in Kwame's way, but what are other things that you found disappointing about wrestling? The politics. The politics. The politics. Did I say the politics? <laughs> I... I do not like the characters who were in the position of power, rolling, um, where you're making $10,000 a night and you, 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 you were uh, stiffing the boys so you and your girlfriend can go out for a weekend at Fisherman's Wharf with all the guys' money because you just decided not to pay everybody. Or you can break kayfabe and have your guys out there do an infamous TV show and stuff like that, and then put them right back on top, thinking they wasn't ever going to be discovered. And then when they are discovered, then you want to get mad, but you're still keeping them on top. Why? But those are the politics. Um, <clears throat> I, I love, I miss wrestling. I love wrestling. I miss it every single day. I do. I do, because I just miss what it is i miss what it took for me to get there i love being in the ropes i do but i cannot deal with the office i just can't deal with the office if i could just walk in i don't care if i want to lose that's not what wrestling is about to me wrestling is about the competition it's about it's about what you put in it if it's garbage in garbage out what about hard work it's hard work out that's why I say I put hard work to get in it. Yeah, I made some mistakes politically. I admit that and I take full responsibility for that. But being in the ropes or even working with the kids, you know, if I had a chance to work with kids, I would and everything else. I like the physicality of the business. Mm -hmm. Right on. And on that note, uh, thank you, Kwame Kamozi. Anything you want to say to the people that enjoyed your work, like myself, <laughs> any fans that, that really enjoyed watching you back in the Gym Wars days, You know, when call up on the spear of Kwame Kamosi. Let me call upon him. He's been buried hard and deep. He looked and he did not know if anybody remembered him. You don't remember the dirt that you put the seed in sometimes. And you remember the rose, but you don't remember the shit. And guess what? Sometimes the shit actually is still there. If you look at what it takes, ladies and gentlemen, to know what it means to give birth to what a Kwame Kamosi is, then you understand that you have to love the shit. The shit is about the blackness. The shit is about the pain. The shit is about the anger. The shit is about knowing what is right and what is wrong and making the decision to do both because you just don't give a damn because you're just that damn tired. 
Kwame Kamosi was the most tired individual you would ever meet because he was tired of the racism. He was tired of the pain. He was tired of the inner racism. But one thing he could do, though, he could get up on that mic. He could look at the crowd and tell them, do this and sit on this and meant it because he never lied from paper bags to bad announcers who couldn't hold a mic like a greasy queen. It didn't matter. Told you what was real, whether you liked it or not. If you ever, ever, ever remember anything Kwame says from here on out, remember this. He was the most realest bastard you ever met to hold a mic in a wrestling ring because he didn't give a damn about your feelings. Feel that. Have a good night. Good day. Good death. I don't care. Okay? Let me see your daughter, though. Does she look hot now? Because how many years has been? Oh, she's only fans. Okay. <laughs> right on, brother. Thanks a lot. Call me Kamozi. Right. And thank you for watching Indie Handshake. We'll see you next time. What's Bye, that only What's that OnlyFans link? Love you What's that OnlyFans link? God forgets! But the rest I does. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>